I'm George Will, and you're listening to the Friendly Confines podcast with Chad and Ryan. Rhino, still a little baseball going on. Uh, the Cubbies, however, are working on their golf game, their barbecue game. I still can't believe it's over. I know, Chad. But you know what? This is a good show for us because we're going to have the opportunity to talk and recap the 2020 season and give out our awards to who we think is deserving of them, right? Yeah, we're going to talk about the top moments, the most disappointing moments, uh, who our MVP is, the biggest surprise, how do you sum up the season, and then also look a little bit to the future. But my goodness, Rhino. Yet another huge guest and yet another first for us. Absolutely. Our first Major League Baseball manager and more importantly, as we always say, Chad, he is a Southern Illinois University graduate of our alma mater. It is the manager of the Pittsburgh Pirates. Derek Shelton is stopping by the Friendly Confines wow. to talk to us. We're so excited. So stick around because the Friendly Confines starts right now. Hi, everybody. I'm Ryan Lieber. He's Chad Gordon. And as always, Chad, let's start in the first inning. Let's start with the top moment of 2020 for the Chicago Cubs. For you, what was that? Well, you know, it, it's a it's a it's a dual answer. Um, one, just from the feel good perspective, it was the first pitch. It was Pat Hughes saying, you know, you know, hello, everybody, uh, you know, from Wrigley Field. It was it was just the the return to normalcy. So that's a, that's more of a vague kind of a bigger piece. But ultimately, if you think about the season and and you always want to kind of like look at a moment, it has to be that Saturday night in Milwaukee when the Cubs got to Josh Hader. And it seemed to have turned around what had been kind of a, 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 a lost season for a while and then followed that up with a couple walk off wins in, you know, against Cleveland. So that to me, I think. From an on-the-field perspective, that was uh, probably the most exciting one, and that really gave us a lot of us hope, thinking that this team was going to turn it on and have an opportunity to compete in the postseason. How about you? I love your answer about opening day. Of course, that certainly just showed that we were able to get the season going, and of course, it was a great uh, night with Kyle Hendricks pitching a gem of a game. But for me... The top moment was the Alec Mills no-hitter. I thought that was so out of left field, so something that we were not expecting. And it was an incredible all-around performance by everybody, the pitching and the offense. The Cubs absolutely crushing Milwaukee. So I'm going to go with a different Milwaukee game. I'm going to go with the Alec Mills no-hitter. For me, that kind of was peak Cubs for the 2020 season. And you know what I love is you put that in between my two, uh, which that's basically the four best games of the entire year. So it all happened right there, and then it all fell off the off the rails. So let's move on to the second inning, Rhino, and, and uh, let's take the other uh, side of this. What, for you, was the most disappointing moment of the well, 2020 I, Cubs season? Yeah, I think the most disappointing moment was probably the postseason, Chad, where the Cubs just got absolutely swept in two games by the Miami Marlins entering the playoffs I think plenty of us uh, thought that the Cubs would at least get to the NLDS and face you know potentially the Braves um, but that was not to be and to see not just this team lose to the Miami Marlins but in the fashion that they did for me that was the most disappointing part of the 2020 season what about you 
Well, I'm going to take it from the regular season, and, and it does have some carryover into the postseason, the very short postseason. But mine's more of a cumulative answer. The most disappointing moment of the 2020 Cup season for me was a regression by Javi Baez and every single one of his at-bats. It just it did not look like the guy we've been seeing the last couple of seasons, and it looks like he took a huge step backwards. I don't know if it was more because of the no crowd and not being able to do video. Um, I don't know if it was because, um, you know, going for stats, it didn't feel real to him. But the most disappointing moment was just the collective effort at the plate by Javi Baez. I, I, I'm not sure I understand why that happened, um, but he was a guy that, that just looked lost uh, throughout the entire season. So let us move on now to the third inning. And Chad, uh, this might be a pretty obvious question. The Cubs MVP this year, when you look at the total roster, who's the guy that you said this is going to be the Cubs MVP this year? Yeah, you know, I'm going to go off the wall on this one a little bit. Uh, and, I, and I'm going to imagine you're probably going to go with the guy that goes every five, five starts. I'm going to go with the guy that's everyday player. Um, and, and I'm going to go with a different, different piece. You know, Ian Happ really came onto the scene and showed that as, as the leadoff guy, as the, as the guy that accounted for all the postseason uh, runs and, and half of the hits um, and the guy that really carried the team in the front half of the season and got a lot of notice, um, you think he'd be the obvious choice for me, but I'm actually going to go with Jason Hayward. Here is the season where um, during that 13-3 and three start, um, it's pretty magical when you look at how the, the core four, core five guys fared, which was pretty poorly. Uh, Jason was pretty steady and had a lot of hard hit balls. Um, and you hear it up and down uh, the lineup. Uh, people talk about him as he is really, truly the, the team leader, the clubhouse leader, the guy that people look to. Um, on how they work hard, how they show up, how they lace it up every single day. So I'm going to go off the wall on this one in a strike uh, in in a in a COVID shortened season. I'm going to say Jay Hay, if only because it felt like he turned a corner. Um, and from a defensive standpoint, he was always every single game the best player out on the field. You love you some Jay Hay. I appreciate that out of the box answer because I think there is obviously two obvious answers that you could have gone with and you went off the off the track which I think was a pre you know I appreciate that um for me though I'm gonna go with Pew Darvish uh, I I don't think that you really can say anybody else I mean yes Ian Happ another great guy who had a great season for the Cubs in a breakout year but this is the Hugh Darvish that all Cub fans and the Cubs um, were hoping for when they signed him to this huge contract. And he came through. And now we're looking at a guy who's potentially going to win the Cy Young Award. And my hope is that when we play in 2021, whatever that season will look like, this is going to carry over into that next season. And we're going to be able to have that opportunity. Really made some strides this year. Can't wait to see what he's going to bring to a full season. Let's move on to the fourth inning now, Rhino. What is your biggest surprise of the season? Well, you hit on it earlier. And so that for me, my biggest surprise is Javi Baez. The, the fact that we are seeing a guy who is regressing, a player that, you know, by some accounts, people think is the future of this franchise or at least the player they're going to build around when that, if you want to call it rebuild or retooling of this team will be, Javi's going to be the guy that you would think they're going to sign to the long-term contract. And we didn't see a guy who is someone that was in the MVP conversation in 2018, Chad. And you hit on all the, 
you know, the facts about the lack of fans, the lack of video. That's what Javi has maintained, that he doesn't have the ability in between innings to kind of see what pitchers are throwing him. And that really, um, you know, made an impact on the way he's played the game. Um, we saw flashes of a guy who still can make plays in the field and make plays with his legs. But uh, for me, it was it was unfortunate to see that we did not get the Javi Baez that we were expecting. What about you? You know, uh, for me, it, it was it was pretty obvious for me from a, su- a surprising standpoint. It it was how effortless that David Ross made it look. His transition as the skipper, his his role in leadership and in both having his guys back and also um, you know uh, managing the situation and managing what was a very you know a very interesting year. And so for me, it was it was how we weren't questioning a lot of his decisions. It was for me how he uh, seemed to have the respect of his players and and the front office. And so, you know, Joe Madden will always be a historical figure uh, for the Chicago Cubs. He did something that uh, that no manager has done since 1908. Um, but uh, David Ross is the future, and he I think he's going to have a lot of leash. Um, but he didn't really need a lot of leash this year um, because he was able to lead this team to. Uh, a division crown. All right. So let's move on to the fifth inning now, Chad. And when it's all said and done, how would you sum up this 2020 season? Can you start with like one word and then kind of get into it a little more? How, how, what, what's the word you would describe this 2020 season for the Cubs as? Eh, you know, I don't play by the rules, but I, I what I would say is, is historic and eye opening. And I'll hit on both of those historic in the fact that, as disappointing as this season ended, this is a team that in historical proportions, a 60 game season, um, it mattered because, you know, they're still playing and it matters. It's historic because they won the division and that is no small. That's no, that's no easy task. We we've seen a few of those in our lifetime, but we haven't seen a lot of those. And um, it's, it's a big deal and we shouldn't, you know, discount that from an eye opening perspective. It was just eye opening in the fact that this is a team that, um, that feast or famine, that anemic offense, when it actually comes, it comes with a vengeance and it just opens your eyes to say, okay, what moves does this front office have to make? And I've shared this with you on previous episodes, previous podcasts. My concern is, is this team okay with their role in history? Is this team okay with knowing that they won't have to really buy a drink again in Chicago and they can always sell out a a session at the the Cubs convention for the rest of their lives based upon what they did in the past. And you wonder, um, do they need some new blood? So it's eye-opening for me to, to wonder what this season and all the struggles we saw, what is that going to mean for Theo and Jed and the team, um, the front office team rather, how are they going to mix it up? Yeah, for me, I think the word is incomplete. It was an incomplete season. It was incomplete with the knowledge of players that we normally would see big years from, and we didn't get that opportunity. Um, And it was incomplete because we didn't ultimately get what we wanted, which was at least a deep run in the playoffs. This was such an unorthodox season. As you mentioned, this is a season that will be like, will be unlike any other. And I am, I'm hoping that we can see a team that, as you said, next year, makes the tweaks necessary to give it one last ride before Theo rides off into the sunset and say, okay, we did everything we could with this baseball team to try and make this a championship level team one more time. Um, So for me, 
I, I think there's a lot of questions, not too many answers. So that's why I kind of look at this season as incomplete for the Chicago Cubs. Well, let's move into our last inning before our seventh inning stretch. We obviously have the eighth and ninth coming up at the sixth inning. Um, and as you know, Rhino, we've got a huge guest, Derek Shelton, skipper for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Uh, excited to hear from him. But uh, let's let's pose this question because now we got to look to the future a little bit. And as as you know, I'm a Cubs season ticket holder, both at Wrigley um, in Section 111 and in Mesa. And uh, and trust me, they're reaching out to me uh, and expecting me to pay for a full season of tickets for both parks. Um, and there has been some talk in a in a in a season ticket holder only forum that uh, that maybe only the season ticket holders, if that's the reduced capacity, maybe it'll be fifty percent. Um, you know, that's them being hopeful, but. Let's say something changes and all of a sudden uh, there's talk that uh, the, the Wrigley Field is going to be at full capacity. Would you feel comfortable? Would you go to a game? That's the six inning question um, in 2021 at full capacity. Yeah, so it's interesting. I live in South Florida. Uh, our listeners do know that. And our governor has opened up the state for college football games and for the NFL Miami Dolphins to be able to hold full capacity for their games. Um, the teams have decided not to do that because they still do not feel that it is safe to do so. And to their credit, um, I have to be honest, as much as I want to go to a baseball game, as much as I want to see the Cubs play in person again, Chad, I still don't know how I feel about going to a game at full capacity, if at all, um, because the answer would be no if the Cubs had that ability to do so and if Major League Baseball said all clear, if there is not a vaccine, if we're still seeing a rise in COVID cases. Um, I know that the Major League Baseball teams are chomping at the bit to get fans back in the stands as quickly as possible because of the lost revenue, but I do not feel comfortable at full capacity um at all going to a baseball game next year um maybe i would feel okay going at a very limited capacity at best what about you yeah it's 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 an interesting question um because uh you know baseball is so intimate and and you know let's be very honest uh, a game uh, at at the regular not capacity but the regular attendance at you know, for the Marlins is a much different and less intimate than than game at Wrigley Field where they're packed in shoulder to shoulder. And and you 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 can't help but but uh, breathe right onto people's heads and beside them left and right. So when Wrigley Field is at full capacity and people are screaming and yelling, you know, whatever you want to say about covid and whether it's how, how it's it's affected airborne and particles. I mean, that's kind of the perfect storm of just that in the element in front of everybody and, and, and kind of the worst of what you try to avoid. It is outdoors. So that is a, is a positive. We haven't seen the numbers of the, you know, I, I saw some video in my old stomping grounds in Jacksonville, Florida at, at uh, one of the local um, County high schools where they were packed in shoulder to shoulder, no mass. So we're, we're either going to see that that is a very dangerous situation and it's going to lead to, to infections or we're, we're not going to. Here's, here's, here's what I'm going to share um, without knowing anything about how these things work, just like you don't, because we learn as we go. We are six months away from a potential opening day. Think back to six months ago. So much has changed in these six months, and my hope is so much more is going to change over these next six months, whether it's with therapies or some some breakthrough with um, antibodies or, or vaccines. Um, the answer, the question is, would I feel comfortable? 
I will feel comfortable when um, we have more information about what is possible. If they do allow, like I shared my setup, um, that half the um, the stadium will be full and season tickets holders will be there, you better bet I will be there for the first entire week, the first homestand. I will not miss a game at Wrigley Field because it has been too damn long since I've walked into that underneath that marquee at the corner of Clark and Addison. Chad, it may be the offseason, and Cub fans, I'm sure, are drowning in their sorrows. But, hey, if you're going to do that, you might as well get some great wine to go with it. Am I right? And that's Absolutely. Why, yeah, Absolutely. we're excited, Chad, about our new partner, the Federalist Wine. This is a damn good-tasting wine. It's crafted to be big, bold, and revolutionary as America itself. And this is an American craft wine that really goes with everything, Chad. So if you're upset because the Cubs lost, then have some Federalist wine. If you still want to watch baseball, have some Federalist wine. You want it with some dude food, as I like to call it, a hamburger, drink Federalist wine. And it's even good with a nice steak as well. Any sort of thing you want to pair it with, it's all yours. You don't have to have any rules with this. It's great wine. It's good stuff. It's perfect for the backyard barbecues and and obviously watching baseball and maybe the transition into football. I drink it. Ryan drinks it. And you should, too. So grab a bottle at uncorked.com. Go to uncorked.com and use the promo code CUBS20 and you'll get 20% off your purchase. So remember um, to do that at uh, the promo code CUBS20 at uncorked.com to get 20% off any bottle of wine that's federalist damn good taste that's right must be 21 years or older to consume alcohol please drink responsibly time now for the seventh inning stretch here on the friendly confines and you know chad we love bringing on our fellow Southern Illinois Salukis whenever we get the chance to do so. We've had Mike Reese on. We've had Coach Brian Mullins on of the basketball team. We've had George Hoffman on, who's a fellow Saluki, who's a longtime Chicago sportscaster. But we are so, so excited to have the manager of the Pittsburgh Pirates and Southern Illinois University alum, Derek Shelton, is joining us here on the program. Derek, welcome to the Friendly Confines with Chad and Ryan. It's such an honor to talk to you. And thanks for taking a few minutes with us here on the seventh inning stretch. How are you doing? No, I'm doing well. Uh, thank you so much, Ryan, for having me on. Uh, I think anytime we can, we can do something with former Salukis, it, it, it's fun to do, although it's a uh, friendly confines uh, podcast and the Cubs, but uh, excited to be on and excited to be talking to you guys. Yes. And, and we can, we can totally talk Cubs. We want to talk about the pirates, obviously. I mean, you face the Cubs, of course, but so much to unpack here. We want to get into with you. First, um, let's just start here. First year managing a big league club, obviously such unorthodox circumstances this year. I'm just curious what the experience was like for you in 2020 managing your first baseball team and under the circumstances of COVID and having the season unfold that the way that it did this year. Well, I think anybody that manages for the first time, it's definitely challenging because you're you're doing something that you haven't done. And there's a lot of things that come at you. But then on top of it, to add COVID and all the protocols, uh, it was interesting. You know, I mean, the baseball side of it, the in-game side of it, uh, 
you know, from pitch one to the end of the game was the most fun. That, that was what I really enjoyed. The, you know, the other things about it was, was interesting because every day the protocols were changing with major league baseball and you know you were essentially living in a pseudo bubble to make sure that we could get through the season. And again, the players association of major league baseball did an unbelievable job because we did get through the season and, you know, we're in the, the championship series now, but uh, I, I, number one, I had a lot of fun. It's a job that I've been looking forward to for, you know, a lot of years. And, uh, and uh, it was, it was really, it was really an interesting year and it was really fun year. Sounds awesome that it certainly did. And you got that experience. And so it segues right into this, Derek, what does it mean to you? Because I know as a fellow Saluki, it means so much to guys like me to be the first person from Southern Illinois university to be a major league baseball manager. Uh, it means the world to me. I mean, one of the things that, that I'm probably the most, most proud of and, and really wear as a, as a badge of honor is that I am a Saluki. You know, my, both my parents were Salukis. My brother was a Saluki. I mean, it, it's something that, that we take very seriously. And, you know, in our family, I always refer to, you know, Salukis as being God's people, you know, and uh, to be the first of that with the long line of, of great baseball people that have come through it. It, it means a ton to me. And, and I know it means a ton to people in Southern Illinois and people that are Salukis. You know, you mentioned Mike Reese earlier, who is still a really good friend of mine and Gene Green, a longtime SID down there that still does radio with, with Mike. I, I know they're proud of it. And, and that makes me feel, you know, special. And it makes me feel, uh, you know, really a part of uh, a really select group. When did you know you really wanted to be a manager? I know it, it kind of fell into your lap to some degree as I was reading more about how you got to where you were and you know i'll let you tell the story but when did you really say to yourself hey i i think i want to be a major league baseball manager well i think it was it was kind of two points is number one i was hired by the yankees by a former saluki mark newman who you know is uh who unfortunately just passed uh, about a month ago and worked for the yankees and was in charge of development for the yankees for a long time and really was a very proud Saluki also. He, he hired me with the Yankees and I worked there for about six years. And, and during that time, you know, I managed in the minor leagues and I kind of thought, you know, this would be cool to do at the major league level. But, you know, it's also something that's extremely challenging if you're a person that's never played in the big leagues to, to get those opportunities. And then after spending 14, 15 years coaching in the minor leagues as a hitting coach, but, but after I was like going Tampa, it was kind of a, a transition for me. And, and actually my wife was the one that kind of pushed me into taking a different role. And I took a different role in Toronto and then ended up getting, getting the bench coach job in Minnesota and was able to manage. So I think that's where it really when it kind of stuck in after the 2016 season, that this was something that I wanted to do. When you first got recruited at SIU, Itchy Jones was the baseball coach there. I'm curious how much of what you took from him do you use today or any of the coaches you had at SIU that you use today as a manager uh, that you still have with you today? Yeah, well, I think with it's first and foremost, I mean, you know, playing for him, obviously legendary, the field there is named after him and, and someone I learned a lot of baseball from, you know, and it's one of those things that you don't realize how much baseball you learn from someone until you're not there. But the attention to detail, the focus on practice, the ability to, to change at all times. I mean, it's is 81, 82 years old. I still see him every spring training, which is a, a highlight from me. I, I mean, I live in St. Pete and he lives very close to me and, and here in Florida and to be able to see him still, he's still curious. He still wants to know why we're doing things and how we're doing it. And, 
And I think that's what made him so special was because he had the ability to continue to learn and grow at all times, even when, you know, I don't know if you know, anybody can know more about baseball than Itch does, but he's always wanting to know what's new and why we're doing it. And, and I think my curiosity for learning really comes from him. You grew up in Carbondale. Uh, you said your family is all Salukis. I'm curious, growing up as a kid, I'm, I'm going to assume the St. Louis Cardinals were your team growing up as a kid. Is, am I correct in saying that? No, I actually, I grew up an Oriole fan. My dad is, uh, my dad is from Johnson City down, you know, in Southern Illinois and my mom's from Heron, but my father played for the Orioles in the minor leagues in the late sixties during all their great teams. In fact, played on a rookie ball team with Johnny Oates and Don Baylor and Bobby Gritch and, Actually, another gentleman by the name of Ron Shelton, who happened to write Bull Durham and White Men Can't Jump. So we grew up Oriole fans. Ripken was my favorite player, uh, you know, was never really a Cardinal or Cub fan, although we went to a lot of games at Wrigley, but uh, just, uh, you know, never grew up, never grew up with those two teams. That's so interesting. That, that's really cool. I think that's great when you always have a fan of a team that's not close to you and you kind of have to, especially back then, there was no internet. You really had to focus in on what those teams were doing back then right yeah I mean it was sporting news and the transactions every day I mean you know I know I'm kind of dating myself but when you're getting up and looking at box scores in the in the paper every morning or you're looking at the transactions to see what happened oh obviously there was no Twitter or Instagram where you could get things instantaneously so it, it made your love for the game even more you talked about going to Wrigley as a kid. I know it was a little bit of a drive. St. Louis was closer, but I'm curious what your maybe uh, memories are uh, since now you are managing a team and you go to Wrigley on a regular basis. But when you were a kid, what memories you may have going to Cubs games and going to Wrigley Field, if anything stands out to you? Yeah, well, there's a couple things. And it's funny going back there, you know, having been having been a child and been in that ballpark and always thinking that it was almost like a cathedral. It was the grass was always greener. The bases were white. Uh, you know, I go back to when they had the Andy Frayne uh, ushers that wore the the uniforms and wore the hats. And and I, I always looked at it as a special place. And I, and I think any major league base, baseball park is a special place. And, you know, I'm extremely fortunate that I get to go to work every day in one of them. But Wrigley's special. You know, it's one of those places. It's like old Yankee stadium or not old Yankee stadium. It was Yankee stadium or Fenway would just, when you walk in, there's history in the ballpark and, and you realize it and, you know, going there this year and, and being able to manage in that dugout and look across the field, it, it it's, it really kind of strikes you of how, uh, how cool of a place that is. Let me switch gears going back to SIU. What about your favorite memories in Carbondale playing on the baseball team at SIU? Well, I think some of my favorite memories are the 1990 team is the team that holds the record for, for most wins in a season. Uh, and the class that I came in with, we had, I think, 15 freshmen that came in and we were sophomores that year. And it was, you know, a year that was dominated by, you know, Sean Bergman played a large part of it who played a long time in the big leagues and Al Levine. So I think that you know, that was extremely important. And probably my coolest memory was we played a weekend, the last weekend we played in 90 uh, with the chance to win the Valley against Indiana State. And, you know, that was back. And I don't know why the, the, the way the hill is now, but there was really no rules or regulations on the hill. And, you know, we're playing on a Sunday and school is just getting ready to get out. And let's just say it was loud. And there was a it was a fun Carbondale uh, weekend. There was a lot of libations. And, and I just remember 
you know, coming to the plate there in the eighth or ninth inning of that weekend and just being like, this is why I came to school here. You know, the Hill Gangs at its height, you know, we're a really good team. Uh, we're getting ready to go play in the Valley. And, you know, that, that kind of separates SIU. The boys will be right back after this message from the Barroom Network. On a recent Sportscaster and Her Son podcast, Peggy Kaczynski spoke with Jeannie Morris about Gale Sayers. Ed McCaskey, who was a wonderful guy, the current president of the Bears' father, helped Gale write that speech. Ed was very, very supportive of the Piccolo family all through that ordeal. So Ed McCaskey, the, the husband of Virginia McCaskey, correct, helped correct. him write the speech, which is the one that everyone remembers Billy D. Williams doing in the movie? Yes. Wow! I love Brian Piccolo. And I'd like all of you to love him too. And tonight, hit your knees. Please ask God to love him. Wow. Well, and Ed McCaskey was always had such a great way with words. He was a, he loved to sing and he loved to, yeah, he just had such a special way with words. That's the first Mm -hmm. time I heard that. The Sportscaster and her son, now on the Barroom Network. Hey everybody, this is Ryan Dempster and you're listening to Chad and Ryan on the Friendly Confines podcast. Recently, on Stuff Your Mom Throughout, Mark G. and Greco recalled this Ernie Banks story. I also remember times when we hired Ernie Banks to be our Cubs analyst during the uh, 84 playoff run. And we're sitting at an empty Wrigley Field on an off day, shooting a special. And, you know, we took a little break. This family was getting a private tour of Wrigley Field. And this little kid came up to ask for Ernie's autograph. And of course, Ernie, he was the greatest guy in the world, the friendliest person on earth. And he's like, Mr. Banks, can I have your autograph? And his wife at the time ran up, no autographs after five o'clock. And we only do so many on certain days. But she would regulate the number of autographs that he did and regulate the time in which he was allowed to give them. Stuff Your Mom Throughout with David Schuster and Scott Beatty only on the Barroom Network. Great things going on at the Barroom Network, Chad, and we're happy to be a part of it. And of course, our thanks to Derek Shelton, the manager of the Pittsburgh Pirates, joining what us a here. Great guy. Oh, absolutely a great guy. And as I said, Chad, to you when we uh Prior to our recording, he said anything for fellow Salukis. It was so great to hear him say that. And so he is definitely somebody that we would love to have back. And he absolutely will. uh, Wish him the best and great success. I hope the Pirates can turn it around next year. Without a doubt. So let us move on to the eighth chat. I'll let you take this one. Absolutely. So, you know, it's interesting. Um, A little bit of deja vu for Chicago sports fans, baseball fans. Um, But, uh, you know, the White Sox were expected to do something big, Uh, you know, just like the Padres were expected to do something big. The White Sox didn't even get out of the initial round. Um, And so their skipper, a former Cub skipper as well, Mr. Renteria, did not make the cut. And the White Sox have determined that he is not the right guy for a young core group of talent and pitchers to take them to the promised land, a la what the Cubs did um, when they jettisoned him and brought in Joe Madden. 
Uh, how do you remember the legacy of Renneria? And, and also, can this guy catch a break? Yeah, it's, it's pretty remarkable what is, this guy is you know, dealing with. Everyone talks about how he was really good at developing young players, and he was somebody that was relatable as far as the players enjoyed playing for him. But how will I remember Renteria as just a guy who, you know, obviously he's got history with being one of only two guys to manage both the Chicago Cubs and the Chicago White Sox, the other being Johnny Evers, who managed the Sox in 1924 and the Cubs in 1913 and 1921. So kind of an interesting little historic note on that. But the fact that he could be replaced by the name that everyone is talking about is Tony La Russa, who would come back to coach or rather manage the White Sox at 76 years old. And then he was replaced initially by Joe Madden, who went on to win a World Series. I mean, he's the Wally Pip of managers, Chad, when it comes to Chicago sports. So for me, Rick Renteria is a guy who just unfortunately never got the opportunity that maybe he deserved or maybe didn't deserve. He will never know, but he's certainly going to be a name that every Chicagoan will always remember, if nothing else. What yeah, yeah. Rick Renteria is is without a doubt. It's a he's a footnote guy. The question is, will he get another chance? Um, and he just he was at the wrong place at the wrong time. Meaning he was at a place where you know the the White Sox, much like the Cubs did, um, just kind of faltered down the stretch. And you can't beat up on the stars on the field. You sometimes you you take the fall guy as they are. Um, and as it is rather, and it, it is Rick Rictoria. So, um, yeah, he's a footnote guy in, 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 the, in, in Chicago sports history. Um, you know, I will share this. So Ryan Playzak, as you remember, um, one of the few rare co-hosts that is not me or you here on the Friendly Con, uh, <laughs> Confines podcast, he would light up Rick Renteria throughout the season. His moves just did not trust him, felt like he mismanaged the, the lineup, the rotation. And so I know from some very vocal White Sox fans, this is something they're very much looking forward to. Um, it's going to be interesting to see who comes in. And with the core group they have, I mean, that, I mean if, if I am a, a manager that wants to step into a great situation, the White Sox are a tremendous situation to step into. Absolutely. Now, here, here, if it's Joe Madden, then we really have a great podcast that we can do. But, you know, <laughs> that's, that's certainly not going to happen. Yeah. Um, well, we wish him the best, regardless. Yes. So yes. let us move on and finish up in the ninth inning, Chad. And kind of an interesting programming note for people who are fans of the Marquee Sports Network. And our guest next week will be Taylor McGregor, actually, from the Marquee Sports Network. So we're looking forward to having her. But, um, Chad, it was announced by the network that they're going to be running a show called Bear Essentials. And a be- uh, basically, Cole Wright, who's the host of uh, the Marquee Sports Network is going to be hosting this show as well, um, be it that he has the background working at the NFL Network, that it's going to be a recap show of what the Chicago Bears did the week before, and they're going to kind of preview the week uh, coming up, and then they're going to show the Bears game. And Cubs Twitter, which I know you love uh, so much, um, certainly lit into this announcement because basically they're saying, why after all the scrambling to create a network about the Cubs, are we showing non-Cubs programming? And I got to be honest, they make a good point. If you're going to start a network that is about a certain team, go all in on that team. Show everything. Show long-form stories. Show documentaries. Whatever it may be, 
show things about that team and get people excited to know that's where they go to get that information, not just another sports network that's kind of a run-of-the-mill place like we already have in Chicago. What what do you think about them adding programming that is non-Cubs related? Well, I think it makes sense from a business perspective. I, I'm not so down on it. I mean, here, here's my perspective. Here's my pushback on anybody that is saying, what is going on? Are, I mean, were you trying to trick us here? Are you just making another uh, NBC Chicago uh, sports, another Comcast? Um, if you take 162-game season and you tack on about 20 games in spring training, you spread that out with all your off days, that's about two-thirds of the year. The Cubs are not playing two-thirds of the year right now, and I think the front office has to do it. You can only do so many profiles on the Ryan Sandberg game. You can only show Game 7 a few times. They need some programming that's going to draw some eyeballs. So why not use the talent you have that you're still paying and do some cross-promotion? You know, the Bears have a long history at Wrigley Field. They played many, many decades at Wrigley Field. So there is there is a tie-in there. And Marquee has been showing college football. They have intentions of, of showing college basketball. I think they did that in the spring. Um, they're, they're, we're going to see other sports there. But I, I would just say it's COVID, guys, and give everybody a break here. And I can't wait to see what this thing is going to look like once there is Cubs baseball two-thirds of the year. So I'm not so bothered by it. I'm glad to see our, our buddy, friend of the show, Cole Wright, have another opportunity to flex his, his, uh, his skills. And I look forward to seeing the show. Yeah, I mean, listen, I'm, I'm always open to seeing how they create it. You know Chicagoans as well as I do, be it that you lived in Chicago for a long period of time. I grew up in the Chicagoland area. And you know that Chicagoans are very provincial when it comes to what they want to watch. And I think you hit it, you know, you were talking about it earlier, when you're showing games that are not related to anything in the state of Illinois um, that have any impact on the state of Illinois, people start to wonder why is this programming on? And there have been articles about it. Yeah. And there have been things that have been discussed with that. So I, I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt, of course. But I guess from my standpoint, if you're creating a network about a team, and yes, I understand 2020 has changed a lot because of COVID, but if this was a normal season, I would like to think that we're going to see more Cubs, more Cubs programming, and any opportunity we have for Cubs programming, we would get. Well, you know, I'll, I'll share this one thing because it is kind of a nice tie-in. We didn't say this coming out of the interview. Make sure if you're uh, looking to follow us on, on social media, Ryan's uh, got a hell of a, a Twitter game at Ryan D. Lieber. At, at Twitter, I'm at the Chad Gordon. Um, but this is a question to kind of pose to the group. Are, are you guys, are the listeners, are you going to be put off? Because we're going to battle right through to spring training here on the Friendly Confines Cubs podcast. And are you going to be okay with from time to time? We may talk about the Bears. We may talk about the Bulls. We may be talking about some things that aren't directly aligned to the Chicago Cubs. So sound off. Hit us up on Twitter. Let us know what you think. And also let us know some of the guests you'd like to hear from as well. We've got some blockbusters coming up. Um, but, yeah, so you're right. I, I, you know, as much as we, we, we want to, you know, people rip on the Marquee Network for showing a Temple basketball game, um, you know, we may be talking about uh, something non-Cubs related here in the coming months. All right. And of course, don't forget about our Facebook page, the Friendly Confines Facebook page. You can find us there as well. We love interacting with all of our listeners. So with that, we are going to wrap things up on this edition of the Friendly Confines. And you can find us next week. We're going to, as Chad said, continue throughout the offseason. 
continue to talk about the Cubs here on our podcast. And we have Taylor McGregor next week. So for Chad, I am Ryan. We will talk to you next time, everybody. And please wear a mask. See you at the ballpark, everybody. Don't let anyone say that it's just a game. For I've seen other teams and it's never the same. When you're born in Chicago, you're blessed and you're healed. The first time you walk into Wrigley. Hey, this is Len Casper, the TV voice of the Chicago Cubs. You're listening to the Friendly Confines podcast with Chad and Ryan.